Good day and welcome to the Frontline Cheddar Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing pretty well. It feels like we haven't recorded one of these in months. I think uh, fair play to Thomas for for keeping us all honest because Thomas has been watching the uh, watching the ball while uh, Jarian or Jarian's been building a new shed and Case has been moving into a new house and I've just pretty much spent the summer playing Pokemon Go with the kids, of course. So <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you? Doing pretty well. Um, you know, been busy. Just got back from another uh, European trip. Um, hoping to get the uh, the shed quarters wrapped up here pretty soon. Um, and excited to be recording another Frontline Cheddar podcast. Super. So it did. I mean, obviously, with the with the we had a we had a podcast recorded just before the summer, and the audio wasn't great. So apologies that we haven't been on the air for a while. So uh, we have our elite panel together with us again today. We've got Case Bagerman from Nutanix, and we've got uh, Thomas Brown from. Oh yes, how are you guys doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having us back. Same, Andy. Uh, do, doing fine, and I'm looking forward to this podcast. Cool. Okay. Well, we're kicking into it straight away. I think I'm going to call up Thomas. Obviously, a lot has happened in the VMware world. I mean, what was uh, what was uh, VMworld itself, and then the um, Horizon uh, updates. So, uh, do you want to kick in and tell us what what, what what has happened and what we need to be aware of? Sure. So, um, yeah. So, VMworld, of course, happened late August, early September, and um, you know, honestly, the EUC announcements at VMworld were, I felt personally, were a bit light this year. I don't know about you guys if uh, if you guys were able to watch it or not, but um, yeah, uh, thoughts there. Um, yeah, I'll jump in there. The VMware were full of promise <laughs> um, <laughs> for the last uh, two years now, in the sense that yeah. we're, we're improving, we're doing it, we're going to take over the world, and then it's been quietly I'm going to slink back into that bush. You know that gift they use for Homer Simpson where he <laughs> slinks back into the bush after talking to Ned Flanders? That's kind of how I'm seeing VMware at the moment. Yeah, um, one word thought on VMworld this year, underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so yeah, so some of the EUC highlights from VMworld. Um, Horizon 7.0.2 is out. Um, which brings, uh, for one thing, Linux managed desktop. So uh, the ability to provision full-clone Linux VMs in Horizon. But does anybody really even care? No. Well, it's it's a competitive advantage against uh, Citrix, right? I mean, Carl Webster just published a, a, a blog post on how to get um, Linux desktops into, uh, into 10 desktop. And let's... <laughs> You know the process could be a little bit more easier than going through yeah. eighty steps or something, and I guess this would be something that gives VMware a competitive advantage in a very niche market. Well, to jump in on that though, Citrix did have that ability in PBS for years and took it away. So it's you know, does people really care at this point right now? It's still a small use case that has potential and can grow, but yet still a small use case. I, I think the, 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 the kicker to this use case is really the vGPU use case, and there is a very small niche of people currently using I mean, look, I mean, you go in, you deal with these penguins in, in most enterprises who are using Linux, and to be honest, they spend most of the time on the CLI anyway. So, I mean, a, UI, a full UI desktop is, is specific to the GPU users, I think, and um, I can see what, why they're driving forward with that. You know, um, the... Uh, with regards to the PVS, I was speaking to a, P- a Citrix SE recently. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the full Linux provisioning coming very, very soon. Um, because as you said, they have the technology there already. Uh, do I care? Not really. I, I have a hard time selling Linux VMs to users uh, or to enterprises as a whole unless they have a very specific use case. Yeah. Again, and we mentioned this before, but oil and gas is a, is a big um it, Linux in uh, in a VDI world is is big in oil and gas, and so is GPU. So that combination could be um, could be the, the use case for uh, uh, for this combination, right? Yeah, that, it, that, it makes sense, right? Vertical. Yeah, I mean, so great point, Andy. I mean, yes, this update does allow NVIDIA Grid vGPU in Linux desktops now. So that is kind of that is kind of a big thing. One interesting use case I do see here is. Using Linux is basically kind of a jump box, and then you could then stream apps from Horizon RDSH if you need Windows apps. 
Um, that way you could cut down on your OS cost. But, like you said, are users really going to follow that? Eh, maybe. Probably Why not. would you do that if you can stream apps directly from RDSH servers? So, I mean, if you actually, it depends on your use case, right? If you don't have a native OS to, to stream to, um, like if you wanted to, if you actually needed to jump into a box to get access to the environment instead of just streaming apps to within client, zero client, etc. I, I agree, I agree but, with you there, but, Tom. I, I completely agree. I mean, look, published apps directly to your endpoint, I'm not a fan of it by any stretch. I prefer to have a self-contained desktop with apps coming into it. Um, but, yeah, no, I hear your point as well, Case. Yeah, it, it's a little column A, a little column B. It's really what the customer wants to deliver to the user. Sorry to cut across you, Jay. No, my, my thing is, though, but why even throw Linux into the picture just do a shared hosted published desktop? and be done with it. Um, you know, my biggest use case so far, I've, I've heard graphics and oil and gas and that kind of stuff, but my biggest use case for Linux so far has, has been and still continues to be um, developers and offshore developers and yep. a little bit of education trickling in there, but mostly developers. I would agree yeah, with that. I'd agree with that too. Um, cool. So moving on. Um, so the EUC access point, uh, the Linux-based appliance that is acting as the security server for Vue now, um, you know, it's still an option, you know, if you want to use security server or access point. But in the latest version of access point, I think it's 2.7.2, um, access point can now be used to front end not only Horizon, but also Identity Manager and AirWatch Tunnel. So that's kind of interesting is that one appliance is basically acting as the front end. So they're trying to do what Netscaler has been doing for a long time. And it sounds like they're starting to execute on it. That's great. I mean, we we obviously had the product manager from um, from Access Point on about a year ago now, or, or Mark Benson was his name, yeah. and uh, it was it was a great podcast. This was their vision, and it's great to see that it's actually coming true now. So yeah, it makes sense. You know, I mean, the, the having multiple connection points for different technologies is not great, and Netscaler kind of addresses that. VMware are kind of innovating quickly on that one, which is good. It's not exciting or sexy technology, but it's definitely needed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, they've they've gone to like you know using you know, multiple different um, edge appliances to come in using things like F5. It's good to see them coming into their own and consolidating those into a single product. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, one of the other big uh, announcements out of VMworld was Horizon RDSH now has full support for Epic. So in the healthcare use case, is um, that's pretty big. So a lot of customers have been streaming Epic and their EMR on Zenapp for years. Horizon RDSH now has the ability to do that as well. Sorry to, to, to be blunt, but what the fuck is Epic? <laughs> oh, really? You don't, you don't you know, know what that? Epic is? Epic is a huge no. EMR used uh, in healthcare. Oh, wow. It's, it's very big over here. I, I've done a lot of Zenapp deployments with it, and, you know, they have their, their blessed configurations, their blessed slow methodical deployment process and it's you know welcome to the club pretty much is my my thoughts on it yeah they're they're very specific to what they support and what they won't support so from a horizon perspective this is pretty big because hospitals um they standardize on ZenApp with epic or most hospitals i know standardize on ZenApp with epic and now Horizon or VMware gets uh, gets a foot between the door uh, on hospitals as well. Oh, very good. Okay, it's definitely my exposure, and I, I generally try to avoid working with healthcare for a myriad of reasons <laughs> that I'm not going to get into on this podcast. But uh, that obviously highlights my um, my ignorance. But I'm look, somebody out there will also have gotten value out of that answer. So good for them. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they're also continuing to improve, to improve uh, Blast Extreme. That protocol has really come a long way. Um, so a lot of performance improvements, a lot of usability improvements. But one of my favorite features now, this is something that should have been added a long time ago, but the ability to restrict remote desktop access. So in the past, you could create um, tags and associate tags with pools in view and tags with connection servers. But let's say you wanted to have specific um, users access certain pools away from, or whether well, they're inside the network, but not when they're away from the network. You actually had to create basically an external pool associate a tag to that, an internal pool associate a tag to that, and it created some additional overhead for managers, uh, for administrators. 
But now you can actually restrict specific users and groups from an external network when they're trying to access those pools. So that's kind of huge. Um, something that should have been added a long time ago, but it's there. So awesome. Kudos to those guys. No, it, it is huge. And they're, you know, you're seeing over these um, last couple of releases, they're simplifying some of those kludgy methods they had for, you know, determining access based on which, you know, security servers kind of going to the wayside, access point came in, um, you know, having to do the inside outside connection servers for two factor is kind of going away as well. So it's good to see they're fixing a lot of the complexities in some of their deployment processes with, you know, another new feature like this to help that. Absolutely. Um, and then lastly, in the Horizon 7.0.2 update, App Volumes 2.11 now supports just-in-time desktops. So this is an update to the 2.x line, not the 3.x line, um, but they do now have support for just-in-time desktops. So it's now usable is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, um, but I mean, what are your thoughts? Are you guys seeing just-in-time desktops out there? Is this is this a thing yet? I wish it was a thing. I really do. I, I think the um, I think the provisioning method is much smarter than the old provisioning method. I think it's fast. Um, it's still not perfect by any stretch. Um, and I really hope they open up the API so other people can use it too. Um, but no, I'm just not seeing any traction on it at the moment. You can get desktops on on Zen Desktop. What are you talking about? <laughs> you can. <laughs> oh, that's news to me. You can. Yeah, yeah. It's already supported. I agree with uh, with Andy. You know, um, I haven't seen a lot of this out there in production yet. Still seeing either full clones or link clones. Um, I'm educating customers about it and, and talking about it during, you know, d- design discussions. You know, pre-deployment type stuff. But haven't seen it um, be adopted just you know just yet. Yeah. There, I mean, there's still some issues around maintenance mode for the hosts and things like that, but actually I, I got a chance to catch up with Sean Bass at VMworld, and he said um, in his session that he was working on with Summit Duan uh, that he wanted to make sure that they feature just-in-time desktops because he's still talking to customers that don't even know it exists, and that's just mind-blowing. They've been preaching this for like two years, right? Um, promising. That's something yeah, completely well, different. <laughs> great point, great point. Um, yeah, so moving on. So topics from VMworld. Uh, the big focus was Workspace ONE. If you're not familiar with Workspace ONE, this is VMware's packaged offering of AirWatch plus Identity Manager uh, to give you the ability to do single sign-on into your mobile apps, into your web apps, into your Horizon apps, and basically kind of have one portal to access everything. Um, they're They're kind of betting the farm on this, it seems like. So uh, that was that was a huge focus. Um, Sanjay Poonin did a great demo of of how it works. And then um, the other big thing in Sanjay's keynote was uh, he actually did a demo, a short demo of um, VMware Trustpoint, which is their product that they're OEMing from Tanium. So it is a um, endpoint management, endpoint security product that um, that uh, that VMware is OEMing, and um, they're they're touting it pretty heavily. I, I kind of have a hard time seeing them breaking into that space just because it's VMware, right? They do virtual desktops, virtual servers. Are customers really going to trust them to protect and manage their physical desktops? Well, didn't they already have that technology? I can't remember the name of it now, where they were streaming out images and, and layering base changes. Mirage. Uh, Mirage, Mirage, Mirage. That's the one. So, yeah, I mean, they do have some kind of penetration in the desktop market at, at the moment. Um, and, you know, to be honest, what with VMware's current uh, shrinking issue with cloud, public cloud, um, I can see why they may want to start broadening their horizons. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm st- I still want to see more substance. Before I, the horizons. I, I, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just want to see more substance before I really get behind it. I, like, I think A-square is visionary, but um, I, I want to see it uh, before I, I make an official comment. Yeah. Andy, yeah. I, I can remember you saying that with just-in-time desktops as well. Like a year ago, you said, you, you said something like, I want to see before I can honestly judge it. We're now a year later. Uh, what would this say about uh, Square Two? Yeah, that's true. I mean, if if it goes the same way as um, as as just in time desktops, uh, I hope I'm not as underwhelmed. 
Um, but because uh, uh, you know, I was it, the way it was promised versus the way it was delivered was a little different. It's so good, don't get me wrong. It just wasn't, you know, the oh my god, that's awesome, which I thought it yeah. would be. So um, that's a, actually a great segue into the next point here of what happened to Project A squared, right? Um, that was the project that was announced at last year's VM World, where basically. VMware was pitching, we're going to use AirWatch plus app volumes in combination on physical desktops. And then they announced it at VMworld, and we didn't hear anything about it for a while. So um, that kind of has come to light in the past couple weeks. Um, At VMworld, they announced AirWatch Unified Endpoint Management. So another UEM acronym, not a fan. But, um, but you know, it's, it's an industry standard term. You know, Gartner, Forrester, all those guys recognize it, et cetera. So I understand why they did that, but um, but no. It's, so unified endpoint management is basically um, AirWatch's ability to manage physical desktops. So be able to push down group policy settings, push down software, etc. Sort of an SCCM replacement for Windows 10. It won't do anything older necessarily, but so what they've done is they've taken that and they've actually combined that with app volumes. Um, they announced this week actually at AirWatch Connect. Um, that app volumes will be able to push down application layers to physical desktops in AirWatch 9.0, which they've promised is going to be this quarter. So we'll see. It'll, it'll be in tech preview, but that'll be fun to, to try out. That does sound fun, and it kind of, I know I'm jumping topics slightly, um, and it, it's an interesting one to think about, but with the pally-palliness of Citrix and Microsoft at the moment, and VMware starting to I don't know whether it, it's out of um, out of uh, pure uh, grunt or whether it's it's out of um, uh, lack of options here, but they are starting to push into Microsoft space quite a bit here, and uh, I, I'm just not sure how well they're going to do against Microsoft in that regard. I mean, because it's it's a similar enough technology to what Microsoft doing, but yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. it, it's I'm curious to see how how well VM are going to be supported on this one, given Citrix and Microsoft love each other so much, and we'll talk about that later. Isn't this yeah. like uh, another you know blow at Microsoft too? This is like the second kind of one because it wasn't the first one when they kind of had Microsoft on stage last year and they started talking about this and System Center, but then saying that we can do this without System Center. So isn't this kind of like strike number two? I mean, it's the continued story of that, you know. I mean, basically, yeah, last year at VMworld, they showed, uh, like, a, a video of them, like, sucking in packages from SCCM into Project A squared, basically, what it was at the time. Um, I haven't seen anything of that SCCM video since, um, so hopefully that's, I mean, I guess that's still the plan, um, because SCCM is so um, penetrated within the market. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to assume that they're going to target that. But yeah, no, I, I definitely see this stepping on SCCM's toes a little bit. Hmm. So with, with Citrix partnering with Microsoft, um, VMware has a, has a very strategic partner uh, between quotes uh, with with Dell and EMC now, right? So, yeah, that's so. I mean. So to bring up the next topic, I mean, a great segue there, Case. I mean, so the Dell EMC merger closed, um, I think it was beginning of September, if I remember correctly. Um, But, you know, so EMC and Dell, now one company, they're now the parent company of VMware. A lot of those things are still being fleshed out, I feel like. Um, You know, they keep saying that VMware is going to be its own company. You know, it's going to stand alone. We're not going to touch it. But we all know who that goes. So I, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that yet. Case. Yeah, it, I, it's a, it's a big segue as well in the sense that, I, I, yeah. This this is either going to be the making or breaking of Dell. I mean, it was just such a massive acquisition. Um, I I I can't fathom how they managed to get that money together. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, time will tell as to what happens and how EMC will will influence VMware and how VMware will influence Dell and and, and all around. Uh, it'll be it's it's interesting times ahead. Absolutely. 
Okay, so Citrix Synergy, we, we, we kind of missed that one uh, in a sense that uh, it was on the previous podcast, so let's talk about it again, gents. Uh, I was unlucky enough to go, or not to go, for legal reasons. God, that was I, I'd almost forgotten about how painful that was. Uh, but obviously, Case and, 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 and Jerry and the guys were, were, were there too. Uh, who wants, uh, Case, do you want to jump in and talk about the, sure, sure. the new CEO? First, first of all, you saying not able to go to Synergy for legal reasons sounds a little bit shady. Um, especially because I know what you can, where, you, where you're capable or what you can do in terms of um, IT infrastructure. So I'm not sure if that's a good thing to mention. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that being said, like uh, with the, um, the first synergy with the new CEO, um, we had the pleasure as, as being the CTP group to, uh, to actually meet the, the new CEO and, and talk to him and listen to his vision and, and, uh, his plans to the future. And I must say that I actually was pretty impressed by the way he's trying to move forward with the organization. And we're already seeing changes. Um, and from my perspective, it's for the good. So obviously, uh, Citrix had a, had a, a bad period. Um, a lot of people leaving, uh, either voluntarily or, or not. Um, we saw some acquisitions that, you know, were not as successful as, as Citrix wanted to be. But I'm seeing them straightening up, um, setting out a new course, setting out a new vision. And um, I, I actually believe that it's, it's a great thing that the new CEO came in. Um, there's a fresh wind blowing through the company. Um, and I see a lot more uh, people a lot more open for communications, um, which for me is, is a great thing, right? If you want to collaborate with um, a party like Citrix, it's easier when people actually want to talk to you versus um, uh, we're Citrix and this is our thing and this is what you can can get from us. So um, definitely impressed by uh, by the new um, new vision, new roadmap, and and um, the way that they're moving forward right now. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I just want to jump in there too. Um, you know, first thing when we first met him, you know, in our CTP meetings, and then saw him. Um, on stage and stuff and, you know, just talking, kind of gave me that, that Bill Belichick vibe type thing, you know, do your job, pretty much. You know, let's, you know, put people in the right positions to be successful and trim the fat and move forward. Um, with, with that being said, you know, about the acquisitions or those different product offerings that are no longer there, yes, some didn't work out, some didn't have the right vision, some weren't even given a chance to see what they could do, but... It's good to see them kind of bring things back in and say, look, let's play our strengths and, and see how things go for there. So, and I, I agree with everything you said. You know, the communication, the collaboration has been nothing but, you know, 100% better since he's, he's been there. So, I mean, this guy came from Microsoft, right? Are you guys worried about more Microsoft influence within Citrix? Not at all. Personally, to jump in, um, I'm not worried about Microsoft influence at all because uh, Citrix play in Microsoft's field so often that um, they're, they're unavoidable. You know, they've been they've been strong partners for absolutely years. Uh, any influence from Microsoft can't be a bad thing, given that Microsoft is actually doing really really well for itself and turns the ship. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the longer Citrix latch onto Microsoft's vision and the, the the further they bring it with their own technology, I think they're perfectly safe. Uh, that's just my my two cents. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree on that. That um, looking at where Citrix's strengths are, um, it's not typically where Microsoft's strengths are. So combining those two would be a would be beneficial for for the both of them. And uh, where where RDS is probably a good enough sh- um, uh, solution. And I know that uh, Claudio won't won't agree on this, but I'm not seeing RDS. In a lot of cases, it's it's mainly either either uh, Horizon View or Citrix and desktop or an app or RDSH from Horizon View, but not vanilla Microsoft RDS. So, um, you know, Citrix stepping up um, in in that playing field is just a is is, is a great. Um, I think it's great for both customers and, and partners because we're no longer working with good enough products. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, I would ultimately agree with that. Um, good leadership is great. And, you know, obviously looking behind the scenes, we've got Juan Riviera, who is an absolute 
pro, you know. We've got um, Christian Riley, who I, I could listen to all day and week. Um, yeah, it, and there are a myriad of other people that I can't name directly at, at this very second. So I, I think Citrix are fine. I think they're they're doing what they're doing and they're doing it well. And uh, I think in the next two or three years, we're going to see a real reshape as they they climb back to relevance again. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And we're seeing already reshaping in terms of uh, offerings. Uh, Citrix already offered Citrix Cloud. And um, and during uh, last Sunday, they also announced the Netscaler as a service um, from that same Citrix Cloud offering. Um, you know, extending that uh, product portfolio with uh, with Netscaler capabilities, I think will will you know make Citrix Cloud a valid solution because you can you can run your desktops anywhere, uh, either on-prem or um, cloud-based. But if you can add in Netscaler as, as a remote access device. That would be that's brilliant, right? That's that's opening up a lot of more uh, potential market than uh, than uh, having Netscale or remote access on prem and going through the cloud. What's your take? No, I, I, I think it's good. And, you know, Netscaler kind of has, you know, you take the good, you take the bad. And that's the Netscaler, you know, team. Um, a lot of good things in the product. Um, some things where they could possibly get in their own way at times. Um but um, we're we're seeing some some neat things from Netscaler. Netscaler the service, the the mass stuff that was announced, um, which has now you know been in beta and out and so forth. Um, but the other thing was um, that licensing change too. So you're, you're seeing now the universal licenses being um, increased slash um, unlimited based on the Netscaler edition, which is great um, for the Netscaler um, value and story. Um, but um, it looks like Secure Gateway is still living on. Um, we saw HDX Proxy announced, but, you know, put it on a milk carton, it's it's missing, and pretty much, you know, that's all we heard from it. Um, so hopefully we, we see that back out there, because um, there's still those customers out there on Secure Gateway, and HDX Proxy would have been the direct replacement to finally, you know, put away Secure Gateway. And you always hear that thing about, you know, at, when, when it's all said and done, it's going to be Roaches and Windows apps. Well, you know, add Secure Gateway to that um, as well, since it continues to live on. <laughs> as long as there's no alternative to it, then I can imagine that people are, are, are keep hanging on to it and, and saying, I'm not going to replace my, my Secure Gateway, right? Oh, God almighty, people, just buy a fucking Netscaler. <laughs> it's just I, I have a couple of customers like that and the argument is well it works and I'm like no there's there's so much better things you could be doing with your time than, than supporting this technology I mean anyway that's that's just my but, two but, cents but, I just wish but look at the market though I, I go to VMware I, I had secure security server now I have access point included with the product no extra cost I go to Microsoft I have you know RDSH um, secure um, secure gateway um, it, it's there, you know, even when VWorkspace, before it, you know, got sunsetted, it had its own product. So why doesn't um, Citrix, you know, say, look, we want to get rid of Secure Gateway. Let's get that alternative out there. It, it's only a door opener for Netscaler, you know, to so, so look, showing I mean, the, pal- the power of it. Yeah. So certain value, certain versions of ZenApps and that'll come with the connection licenses for Netscaler, right? So there's your licenses for the for the connection, and then you need a VPX or two. VPXs cost how much? A couple of thousand, like to run your own virtual appliance to do all this, and then there's so much additional value it adds on top. Like I mean, I just wish people would loosen the purse strings every now and again and just buy the technology that that's actually the best for the for the use case, rather than just relying on something as crappy as Secure Gateway. I mean, I know this is this is this is silly to say that you know who wants to put a Windows VM in a D. But I'm serious, and VMware had the exact same issue as well. People were like, I am not putting a connection server in the DMZ. Yes, you can use all the IPsec you want. I don't care. I'm not doing it. You know, And it was, it was a torpedo to a lot of use cases. Um, so, yeah, I understand that some customers are just cheap, and that's fine. Um, but, yeah, from a frustration point of view, it's just so much easier. There is an option there. The alternative may cost you a little more. It's called a Netscaler. It does a lot more than that. I don't think it's being cheap. I, I think it's I've had a free product for years since you know, as long as I can remember. Why should I have to go and, and pay for something now? Okay, um, yeah, free and value are Dutch. different things. You could be Dutch, Jerry. I well, I, I am part. I am Truth. part of Ruben, so I do have we like ties. Free. 
But uh, <laughs> moving on, though. So um, we spoke about, you know, the, the new CEO coming from Microsoft and, you know, some of the Microsoft sort of partnership. But we're seeing that kind of... Um, kind of grow. So we, we heard about kind of, you know, Azure Remote App, you know, 2.0, which is pr- pretty much going to be Zenapp Express. And um, we saw the announcement recently. Um, I think this is good for both parties because, you know, with all the issues that we heard with um, Azure Remote App scaling, manageability, um, and so forth, that um, Zenapp Express can only help that. Um, on the other side of that, too, um, is that we also saw that, you know, Ignite was uh, last week, um, and we saw some actual live demos of that. So we'll put that in the the notes of, of this uh, podcast. Um, there's actually a YouTube video of that session and, and a demo of um, Zenap Express. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I've never really heard great things about Remote App. Um, so I, and Citrix has been publishing apps for years. I mean, that's their bread and butter. So why, why wouldn't they do this? Uh, I just think it makes, makes sense. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, it's, it, it, I, I had a couple of customers who looked at our uh, Azure remote app from, from a, from a DR point of view. And I had one particularly difficult customer who was, uh, was, that's it. He was trying with Citrix licenses in the bin. He's moving to Azure Remote App, and I remember smirking at him and tell, telling him, you know, let's see how that gets on for you. So I'm actually looking forward to going back into him, talking to him about this because I was right. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it, it, it's a it's a natural progression. I want to see more about the technology. I want to sit down and play with it to see how it all pans out. But look, as a Citrix as a Citrix fan and a Microsoft fan, this is this is a this is a this is a good thing. Yeah, and speaking of uh, more good things with Microsoft and Citrix, so we're seeing some um, mobility um, partnership too as well. You know, we saw the announcement of, you know, deeper integration coming with um, Wisden Mobile and EMS slash Intune. And um, it looks like out of Ignite as well that we also saw that it looks like uh, first half of next year, the, the NetScaler micro VPN integration should be available for, for EMS customers. Um, this is very interesting to see. Um, we're starting to see a couple of blogs come out about integration with Zen Mobile and, and EMS, especially around the office apps and, you know, and those type of things. Um, I think this is a, a good thing for Citrix because, um, to be honest, um, the Citrix Zen Mobile cloud solution, um, to be nicely is not the easiest to get into, and with um, EMS, you know, I can be Office 365 customer, um, go out there and just add a license or two and get up and running with uh, Intune EMS pretty quickly. Um, so it's good to see that. Um, you know, my thoughts on this would be, you know, if they continue to expand further is basically Citrix should do what um, they've done with RDS and Zenapp with, um, to the mobility side is provide value add on top of what Microsoft gives. And, you know, to me, that means micro VPN, the, the sandbox technology, the application side, um, and, and so forth. Um, but do you guys think this kind of means the, you know, the beginning of the end for Zen Mobile as it is today? Wasn't that a while back? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, case despite doing a fair bit with Zen Mobile, I, I kind of have to agree with you. I Zen Mobile is fine when it works; it works really, really well. But my God, it's it, it, when it doesn't work, it, it is an utter pain in the face. And the, the other biggest issue with Zen Mobile, I see with customers and trying to get a part across to them, is you're, you're, a lot of these guys are Windows guys and they're used to patching things once every quarter or once every half a year. With Zen Mobile, it requires so many updates so frequently to the apps and all the rest. It, they're, they're just overwhelmed, you know. Um, so it's uh, it, Send Mobile is, is it's getting better, um, not quick enough. Uh, will any partnership with Microsoft help? Dear God, I hope so. See, I think the the not quick enough is the key point here because what I'm what I'm seeing with customers is that AirWatch is stealing Zen Mobile's lunch. Uh, like AirWatch is just destroying them right now in the market. And from my perspective, this only adds more uncertainty to the Zen Mobile product. What is their what is their roadmap? It seems like they're leaning more on Microsoft now, and so in 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 my in my take, I think that just signals the begin the beginning of the end for Zen Mobile and gives AirWatch even more validation. 
Yeah, my, my last two things on, on this would be is, you know, if you want 100% on-prem solution, Zimmo will, will still be an option because you don't have that with Microsoft. Um, you, you know, they did make things better in 10.x by collapsing some things into a single virtual appliance. So there are some good there. Um, but like Andy was saying, on the application side, um, it's still not the most elegant process updates and, and so forth. So in, until they can kind of, you know, make that a much more simpler process, there's still going to be some um, adoption issues. Um, we did see the renaming, you know, another rename. Now it's all called Secure Apps now um, and stuff for, for Zen Mobile. Um, but one thing that I've seen out there in working with customers in this space, because I've been doing a lot of it, is that um, nothing beats ShareFile. So ShareFile is kind of the rock star um, out of Zen Mobile. So, um, you know, back to what I said earlier, as this grows and integrates with Microsoft, you know, maybe seeing more ShareFile integration, you know, with Microsoft um, and kind of seeing OneDrive take a backseat to ShareFile because that is pretty much the, the rock star of the mobility things that Citrix offers. I'd agree with that. I think ShareFile is just such a solid product um, that uh, it's often under un, undervalued compared to everything else. I think without ShareFile, that works and well, not not even works anymore. But the the suite Zen Mobile offers is, would be very very weak. Anyway, that's enough about Zen Mobile because it always makes me angry. Um, <laughs> uh, so Zen Desktop Seven Nine and Seven Eleven have come out since we last recorded the podcast. Well, that's embarrassing. Um, I haven't seen a whole heap about 7.11, but obviously I did a little bit on um, the cache and RAM overflow disk that came out with, with 7.9, and um, there's a blog post up on the Control Up blog post, uh, on the Control Up blog site about it. Um, it's good that they've brought parity with PVS cache and RAM overflow to disk, but do make sure to size it correctly, because it all goes a bit awry when um, when you don't. It, it's, it's similar to the old PVS story that Jim Moyle has uh, has, uh, has highlighted time and time again, size, 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 because if you don't, you're... It, it, it actually is detrimental to your performance, not better. Um, it is actually on par with uh, the oh, one. Yeah, I think it, it, I, I haven't kicked it uh, as badly as I did the PVS one, but all of the, the PVS issues are still there. So it, it's it's on par from that point of view. Um, is there? I know there were some changes to, 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 to sites and zones. Uh, Jerry and G, what do you know about uh, 7.11? Yes, but real quick too. At least one good thing that they did with MCS was they put the counters there for RAM cache. You know, there's no <laughs> having to run a party too like, like, yeah. like, like you and Remco wrote for PBS. They baked it into MCS, so at least they did something you know better there on that point. Um, but yeah, Who so counts? so we've had seven seven nine. Oh, go ahead, keys case. Full clones seven dollar eleven. Full yeah. clones. Yeah, yeah. So MCS full clones. Yeah, full clones did come down, so you can. Um, go and, and do provision full clones from CS now in 7.11, something we've been asking for for a, a long time. Um, so great to see this here. And, yeah, yeah I'll, re- I'll reiterate this, about damn time. Um, but, you know, full clones came with MCS. Um, we saw more updates to, um, to, to zones and zone failovers. Um, we saw the um, cell source password reset now is kind of fully on the 7 um x platform um and basically you know it was back there for a while but you had to um set up some 6.5 infrastructure for self source password reset um but now it's fully baked into storefront so that's there as well you know from the receiver or from the web um other things that we came out with um you know we did some further uh or they did some further app the integration um so now we're seeing like connection groups basically doing your your inter-isolation communication directly from Studio. Um, and what else um, we're seeing out there in 7.11? Um, some app DNA updates doing security. Um, I'm trying to think. Some you know some more enhanced things around session recording, about logging and some of the policies. Um, you know, 2016 support. Um, so 2016 um, support, you know, it, it's been there in tech preview um, slash beta, um, but they supported day one, so we're seeing that, and that's basically running your full infrastructure on 2016. Zenapp 2016 workers um, taking advantage of some of the 2016 stuff. Um, you know, a good example: Hyper-V and discrete device assignments. So where you can actually pass a GP through a GPU through to um, uh, a VM on Hyper-V. Um, AppDisk now supports Hyper-V, 
2016 as well. Um, local host cash is, you know, been talked about, but it's put that on the milk carton along with HDX proxy because it's still not there yet. Um, but we're, we're seeing some things um, happening. And with that, that rapid release cycle of Citrix, you know, they're constantly um, improving what's coming down the pipe. Um, there's a bunch more uh, features um, than that, but there's a nice uh, master class that talks about the full updates in their entirety. So we'll put some links to that in our um, in our uh, podcast notes. But, um, you know, in the interest of time, let's uh, move on to some Nutanix and Citrix updates. And I'll give that to our resident uh, Nutanix, Newtant. Um, congrats <laughs> on the IPO, by the way, um, Case. Yeah, thanks. So, um you know, let's start off with the with the announcements that we made uh, during Synergy. Um, there was announcement for native AHV support for MCS, uh, which means that with Zendesk 7.9, we're able to fully provision and power management, power manage uh, VMs running on Acropolis hypervisor or built-in uh, hypervisor. So that's pretty uh, pretty awesome. We're seeing a lot of uh, traction on that. I'm speaking to customers on a daily basis about that combination. So uh, apparently it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, obviously, PPS is, a, is another use case that we're targeting for. Um, the problem is that um, for MCS, we could leverage the provisioning SDK that Citrix is delivering with uh, starting of Send Desktop 7.7. Um, but it doesn't have the PPS bits included. So luckily, we've got uh, great partners um, like RES, who created um, uh, um, a connector within uh, automation to actually be that proxy between um, ZenApps and Desktop and P- uh, PVS and HV. So, um, you know, great combination. Um, it will be, it will come native, but it, it will take some time because Citrix has to deliver that. Uh, updated provisioning SDK to have PPS support as well. Um, in terms of the IPO, it's just a start. So it was a good start. I'll, I'll give you that. But um, in the next few months, next few years, we'll uh, we'll validate if we're uh, we're doing good. But um, it's head start. So it's um, you know now from now on, it's uh, it's heads down and, uh, and 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 get shit done, which was my default mode anyway. So. Um, I'm happy to uh, to to be able to uh, to have that experience to to go IPO, um, but it's again it's just the the first step. At least we're not uh, in an acquiring phase like Citrix is doing with uh, with Norskill, for example. Any takers on that topic? Yeah, so it's it's something you know with uh, with Norscale. But before I jump in that real quick um, about the PBS and, and Acropolis hypervisor, there's also some nice scripting out there. Um, by Ryan Reward about um, scripting that whole setup too as well. Um, so it, it, it does it does work out you know on its own. Just the integration's not fully there yet. Um, but uh, back to to Norscale, yeah. So you, you kind of figure that uh, that Citrix would do this eventually, um, just for the fact that with Norscale um, relying on some kind of profile solution and doing the integration with profile management. Um, that this would, you know, bring on to help with, you know, performance, um, some contextual bits into um, Citrix sessions that we've all asked for. Um, you know, in, in the past, you know, their solution was, okay, we'll use profile management in GPP. Well, you know, we all know how well that has worked. But, you know, I think this brings, you know, their workspace environment management story to another, another level. Um, and it's good to see that the the enablement for this is going to be enterprise and platinum customers. And um, Citrix didn't waste any time releasing this because we saw 4.0 get released uh, last week, um, you know, taking out the Northscale branding and bringing in the, the Citrix um, um, workspace environment management branding to it. So um, congrats to, to Pierre and team on the acquisition and um, look forward to see, you know, what um, more tighter integration that Citrix will bring um, with this product and how in, in their portfolio. Yeah, I think it's a great acquisition. I think I think there is an element of checkbox checkbox uh, acquisition um, here, given that VMware had an EM uh, solution. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to diminish Norscale's achievement here because Norscale does a lot more than just that. You know, they have performance management. They've got some really clever performance management stuff in there. It's easy to get up and running. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's 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 a great move by Citrix. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it how it's integrated. And just to echo, congrats again to Pierre because uh, he he started with with a, a project that he was working on in his living room and turned it into a fully blown software company and it got acquired by Citrix. You know, it's it's a phenomenal achievement. So good for you, Pierre. Yeah. So my thought there on the Northscale thing is that um, I, I, like like you you touched briefly on the performance management. My gut tells me that that's. The bigger, um, the bigger piece that they were going after there. Uh, I mean, yes, you've got UPM, which you know is UPM, but um, but some of the 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 UEM stuff, I feel like they're still kind of going to lean on some of their partners. But the performance management stuff, from what I hear, is really really good in North Scale, and uh, so that's that's kind of an interesting take. Basically, you could use that to get even more ROI on your Zen app environment. Which yeah. everybody loves. Yeah, their performance, you know, and you saw that in the announcement uh, blog post um, was a big factor. And, you know, just from testing um, and so forth, it, it does work pretty well. And they do do a, some things differently, how they do their CPU and memory. Um, the another um, solution on the market, and it, it does work quite well. So good for Citrix. Good acquisition. I, I just hope it doesn't suffer Citrix acquisition syndrome and get neglected for the next four years. Um, because it, it, it is definitely worth developing on. I don't think anybody working for, for RES or AppSense or anything like that really needs to worry, but um, it's uh, it, it's a good first step, and it, it, it validates what has been a very difficult to validate market to date. So, um, yeah, uh, anyway, um, moving on. Uh, an announcement that came out over Synergy that we have to talk about really is... Um, FS Logics and their uh, project Flux, aka Office 365 containers. Um, very, very, very happy to see this. Uh, Jarian, do you want to give us a little more information on it? Yeah, so one of the bigger things was their data containers. Um, and what their data containers does is it um, allows them to kind of separate and sell a point solution of their, their profile containers um, product um, to customers that may already have something in place, which I think this was, this was a great move. By FS Logics, just for the fact that you know, <clears throat> trying to forklift something is harder instead of saying, okay, well, we can be an add-on value to it. Um, so it, it's good to see, and we all know that the Office 365, um, you know, story is becoming more and more um, widespread across enterprises, and trying to solve some of those solutions, you know, the OST, uh, OneDrive, um, you know, a couple things like that. Um, is is pretty big challenge, you know. We've seen some things where redirecting just the OST file to a file share has been a workaround, or um, using you know the user profile disk built into um, RDS um, or you know other solutions as well. But <clears throat> when it comes to expanding past that OST issue, um, FS Logics is pretty much the only one on the market that can get past that. When you look at OneDrive and um, licensing stuff, other applications, Skype for business. Um, so they're really ahead of the game. And, and so it, it's really good to see them kind of say, okay, you can buy our whole suite or you can buy just this piece um, to overcome these issues with all the 365 and other applications that may need to have that that data container disk um, to make that session and user experience a lot better um, for, for users. So it, it's good to see them do this and kind of excited to see what they do um, next uh, with their product suite. Agreed. Um, FS Logics obviously a sponsor of ours, um, and I don't mean to call that out. As uh, this is why I'm talking positively about them. I absolutely love these guys. They're super. Um, so it's uh, it, it's a great move. Uh, if you're going Office 365 and Zen App, you need to look at this now. I have a lot of customers. Actually, they were only over in Ireland uh, last week, and we did a virtual workspace um, session with uh, some of the, the Platinum Partners um, customers, and FS Logics was was really really well received. So um, it it was good to see, and it was good validation for them. So I hope to keep doing what they're doing. It's awesome. Um, moving on, uh, Server 2016 was released. Yay! Well, we're still waiting for the MSDN um, uh, downloadables, but uh, you can download the trial today and you can get going and apparently it'll be convertible to a free uh, every version. Have we kicked the tires of it? What do we think? I haven't had a chance to yet, honestly. Um, I've, I've heard good things from people that have, though, so... The server releases are always pretty stable, so I'm not expecting much. 
Yeah, um, I've been playing with it since the, <clears throat> the tech previews, and it, it worked pretty well. Tested it with, with Citrix and um, their support of it. You know, play with some of the native features. Um, you're seeing the, the, the improvements to RDS. You're, you're seeing their their storage uh, story come out now with, with storage spaces direct. Um, you know, being able to have their converge slash hyperconverge built right into to, to Windows and using the uh, SMB3 transport um, on, on the back end for that. Um, you know, we're seeing, you know, security enhancements um, as, as well come into play. So um, 2016 is, is, a, is a pretty big release, um, you know, for Microsoft um, and some of the features it has. And it, it's, uh, it's a, a long-awaited um, release with all these new features they, they keep adding. So um, I, I just, I, I'm really happy with it. Probably one of their best OS releases in a long time. Yeah, no, I'd agree there. I've been playing with the long-term service branch of Windows 10, and I really, really like it. It's trimmed down. It has none of the crap from the store on it. It's just a it's a nice, sleek, and light operating system. And Server 2016 looks like it's just the same as well. So I think it's definitely going to be for a lot of my customers. I've told not to go anywhere near 2012 because I despise that operating system. Um, I, I think a lot of them are going to go up to 2016 directly from 2008 um, and then go on from there. So I, I'm, I'm patiently waiting. I'm checking MSDN at least once a day to see when it's available so I can start kicking the tires. I'm just hoping the uh, the vendors get behind it quickly and, and get it supported for all of the additional layers on top of on top of Citrix, namely looking at RES there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be good to see. Uh, so yeah, um, RES released a freemium edition. Do you want to talk about that, uh, Tom? Sure. Yeah. So um, so Res Workspace, uh, Res One Workspace, our UEM product uh, that you guys have known and loved for for years, kind of kind of the backbone of uh, Res. Um, we actually released a freemium edition uh, here a couple months ago called Res One Workspace Core, and it is um, completely free for Right now, for as many users as you need, and uh, there are you know there are obvious features that are that are left out for uh, for reasons, and um, so like for example the security stuff, some auditing compliance, that kind of stuff are not in there. Um, but if you're looking for you know context-aware applications, printers, user settings, things like that, basic UEM um, that's a great option for you. Uh, so um, for People that are looking to migrate from Citrix to VMware, or just need something um, that are they're not happy with what's in the box with Citrix or VMware, um, it's a great option to look at. And um, also, uh, Res released a couple months ago um, Nutanix uh, connectors, like uh, Case was talking about earlier, for um, the ability to connect and automate uh, HV workloads. But also at VMworld, uh, Res released a app volumes connector. So this actually gives you the ability to do self-service uh, app stacks. So um, so the ability to uh, go into the service store and request your own applications, and we'll talk to app volumes and mount that application in the background, and you'll have that app instantly. But um, in other news, um, pour one out for your homies because BlackBerry has announced that they have uh, decided to end their hardware production. So um, BlackBerry is no longer in the phone business. They are instead focusing primarily on software, which I'm not really sure what software that would be, to be honest. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, I find it amazing. Like, I mean, we've seen two massive giants of the of the nineties and early two thousands fall from the phone industry. Both Nokia and BlackBerry now have fallen yeah. on their face. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, when you think how prolific Blackberries were in, in the enterprise, and the only reason I remember them being prolific is because I was constantly fighting with Bez servers. Um, yep. it, it, it's not surprising, given all of the fighting I did with Bez servers, but um, I just can't understand. Or I, I find it amazing. Amazing how how quickly these guys have fallen, and um, you know they, they they started looking at Android and they're going to come back in that way, and then bang, nothing, you know. So yeah. it was um, it was incredible. Uh, I I I can't, I can't get over it. Uh, but you know, kudos to Google and Apple. I mean, you've literally destroyed the competition. So uh, you know, it's interesting. But what's what's even more interesting is that they um, actually they own good. Um, you know the good EMM solution, um, 
And so I, I'm having trouble finding confirmation on this right now, but I've seen reports that this actually um, good is actually end of life now. So um, yet another uh, kind of giant that we've seen, kind of one of the first um, EMM or uh, MAM solutions that were out there uh, is now end of life. So that's something else to keep keep an eye out for if you are a current good customer. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're seeing, yeah, we're seeing a lot of these these vendors kind of either get consumed by somebody else or fall off the map. You know, remember app refactoring? Yeah, ish. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah we're, we're seeing some of these things on the mobility side kind of going away, and you know, it, it could be you know the last two standing could be AirWatch and, and EMS. You know, with with a little bit of uh, Zimobile sprinkle in there. So we'll see. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting to see. I didn't come across good much in the um, in the in the market space, to be honest. It's mostly um, Intune, uh, it's mobile or uh, or AirWatch. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it, it's not it's not going to be of great interest to me, as I said, though, because I don't really have any customers using it. So, but it is it is again another kind of rock to the boat to see what happens. I mean, like anything else, I mean, when these technologies come out, everybody gets in the business, and then the the niche players or the not so not so fast innovating will fall away. So I think good is just one of those. Yeah, I've uh, or at one, least that's what's going. I've got one customer right now that I don't do the mobility stuff work with, but I do a lot of their app and desktop, and they're kind of struggling. Um, through good right now, and but my experience other than that with good has always been migrating away from good uh, to Zimmable projects. So, right, right. Yeah, okay. I mean, good was kind of the first uh, from what I saw in the U.S. Uh, they were kind of one of the first mobile application management vendors. They didn't really do mobile device management, but they would secure the email app and secure the browser app, things like that. Um, that a lot of strategy that a lot of the other vendors have kind of adopted, but um, but I guess that. That strategy wasn't enough. So, um, so yeah, R.I.P. Uh, good and BlackBerry devices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, BlackBerry, you were the bane of my existence. But anyway, um, cool, cool. Okay, well, we're just about to just about to wrap up there. Um, I was going to ask Case about the Nutanix IPO, but he's decided it's too boring to talk about. So that's fine. <laughs> uh, well, we, we did hit on a little bit, and uh, you know, as I was sitting there thinking about that, and you know, as Thomas says, pour a little liquor for. Um, BlackBerry and good, um, you know, in the words of Ice Cube, that that day of the IPO today was a good day <laughs> for Nutanix. So um, that that's probably the best thing I can say to them. And and congrats again. Yeah, no, it's great news. I mean, look, it's validation for them. They they started off the underdog. They've <laughs> defined their industry, and uh, despite uh, how difficult they can be sometimes to deal with, um, it's uh, it's it's a phenomenal achievement for them. And uh, I, I'm very happy for them. I have to say. But they also, too, kind of quietly made some moves, too, as well. Um, we didn't kind of talk about that. Didn't they pick up somebody here recently? Um, oh, they did. The they, acqu- uh, they acquired Pernix yeah. Data. Pernix Data. And there was wasn't yeah. actually two companies. Yeah, there was another yes. one, too. So they are still, you know, trying to provide, um, you know, on top of their great value, even do more. But, yeah, they've also made some quiet acquisitions, too, that haven't really been highly publicized. Right. Yeah. So the Pernix data one was was kind of big. I mean, I don't know if you, how much work you guys did with Pernix, but they had a great product uh, called uh, FVP, which was server side flash uh, acceleration, and they also had a, a an analytics product called um, uh, called Architect. And so um, there are a number of other rumored projects that they were working on. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Nutanix uses that IP because it's, it's some very good IP. So um, I can only see it enhancing Nutanix even further. Yeah, I think it was more of a, a, a talent uh, IP acquisition than, than anything, than what they had on the market today. That is my opinion. Um, uh, good point. It, it can only make their, their product better, you know, especially with the analytics stuff and, and Prism and some of the things that we've seen. Um, but also to, to even better increase their performance as, as well. So um, one more topic um, before I close down here today, and that is a big congratulations and also um, a warm frontline chatter welcome to our very own first MVP. So um, Andy, tell, tell us about uh, becoming an MVP. 
Um, well, thank you, first of all. Um, I nearly fell off. Well, I nearly crashed my car when the email came through on Saturday. I knew the, the renewals were coming up, but um, I, I wasn't expecting anything. Uh, I've been trying to get into the MVP program for some time now. I won't, uh, I won't, uh, I won't say otherwise. Uh, and it's always been a kind of goal of mine to, to get into it. Um, I've gotten rejection after rejection, year over after year, and that's fine, you know, because it's a it's a very big program. We all work in this industry. We, we all work closely with Microsoft. I can be quite critical of Microsoft at, a time, at times, but it doesn't stop me from liking their technology, given that we have to work with it day to day. I'm blown away, to be honest. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting involved in the program and seeing what it's all about. And um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just I'm thrilled. You know, I'm utterly thrilled to, to have, uh, to have, to have uh, received the award. Uh, let's see if I renew. <laughs> but for now, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy. All right, so again, congratulations. Um, you know, the Frontline Chatter team is very happy to have uh, an MVP. Um, you know, thank you to our our guests today, um, our reoccurring guests um, for this month in EUC, um, Thomas Brown and Case Baggerman. And then also thank you to our sponsors, FS Logics, Liquidware Labs, and Goliath, um, for sponsoring us and making us be able to continue these and doing some of the things we do. Um, everybody, uh, thank you for listening. Um, you know, we're back from our summer hiatus, so look for some more podcasts coming fast and furious with um, a lineup that we have to close the year out. Um, for myself and Andy Morgan, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. <laughs>